Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga review episode. It is Kieran Orr, Brooke Green, the 22nd. My name is Adam, and today I'm going to give you my spoiler review of The Clandestine Circle by Mary H. Herbert. Now, I will be spoiling this story, so if you don't want to know it, stop watching. Go read the book, come back, and enjoy. Um, I would like to take a moment and thank the members of this YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the links in the description below. You can always uh, pick up Dragon's Gaming materials using the affiliate links in that same description below. All right. So the way these work is I've got a pre-written review, like, you know, every third of the book. I just write down my thoughts in a really brief synopsis. So I don't ever really cover everything that happens in the book, every little minutia of action. But it does give you the broad strokes. And that's really what I mean when I'm talking about spoilers here. So again, this is just my perspective. So if you disagree with it, I welcome that. I welcome you to share your thoughts. If you happen to be joining live, then of course you can just chime in and chat. And if you're watching this after the fact, well then just throw your comments in the comments. <laughs> I'll reply to them. All right, that's what I do. I reply to every single comment, no matter how shitty and snide they can get. Or how warm and welcoming they might be. Every single one. Hey, Andrew, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining live. All right. Uh, and in addition, if you have any thoughts or anything and you're catching this live, go ahead and throw them up in the chat. And then uh, after the review, I'll just sort of riff a little bit with you and we'll just have a good time. It's hump day. So let's... Well, we're not going to hump, but <laughs> let's have some fun. All right. So I have to start by saying it is so refreshing to read this novel. I'm a third away in, and I can confidently say that Mary Herbert is a fantastic author. Her way of describing a scene and adding character and backstory while simultaneously propelling the narrative forward is a talent I wish all Dragonlance authors had. I had no connection with Lynch and Majir, but now I love the character. That being said, we begin the novel with a ship coming into harbor with goods to sanction. Sanction is now controlled by Lord Hogan Bight, a mysterious and effective governor who takes great care of the city and its people. Sanction is being held off from Sable's influence, the Knights of Tachesis, the Legion of Steel, and the Salamnic Knights. They are clandestine circles of the Legion and Salamnics that we are aware of, and I have no doubt that the Dark Knights and Sable have their own spy systems here as well. The boat that arrives sees an unmanned ship floating toward the dock. The ship is filled with the dead and a couple of living but plagued so, uh, sailors. As the ship runs into another, sailors and the harbormaster go to investigate it. The plague begins to spread unknown to those investigating. Lynn, Lynch's front, is part of the city guard. She's placed there by the Salamnic Knight's clandestine circle to attempt to gather information on Hogan Bight. She's instructed to inform the Lord Governor about the ship and the dead aboard. She finds him surveying one of the Lords of Doom, a volcano, listening to complaints from the City Council and Farmers Guild about a potential eruption that seems imminent. This is all forgotten once Lyncha shares the news. Now, I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between Lyncha and Lynn. Lynn is her pseudonym, and so just know that I'm talking about the same person here. They all go to investigate the ship, and they discover a sailor below decks who was uncovered, um, who, when uncovered, like, runs out of the hold and, like, climbs up into the crow's nest, delirious and terrified from the plague. He leaps to his death as Lyncha attempts to run and grab and rescue him, which impresses Lord Bight. She's summoned to the clandestine circle and told to enter Lord Bight's service immediately and find information about him to discredit him. 
she's hesitant, of course, to behave as such, as she is a rose knight. She's a knight of Salamia, of the Order of the Rose. But since this is the order, she must follow it and obey it. So she's summoned as the guards are trying to contain the contagion and finds all the sails, uh, sailors that were on the ship who are out in the town. She's offered a job and accepts it. She immediately goes to burn the ships uh, and Lynchia hears about one missing sailor from her landlord and they all find his corpse having died of the plague behind an inn. They end up burning the inn down as a precaution, placing the proprietor and proprietor and patrons in the quarantine zone and then they go to burn the ships. Linsa rescues a cat and the ship logs as Lord Bite calms the citizens who are understandably freaking out about the plague. Youths spurred on by a mysterious person start a riot and nearly kill the commander of the guard, and Lynch rescues him as well after he falls unconscious into the bay. This impresses everyone, and they all return to the Lord's Manor, where the evening ends up just passing as normal. Lynch has a talking owl, a giant owl named Varia, which at first kind of bothered me because I'd never heard of these things before, but it's used in a clever way in the story, so I kind of dig it now. The cat also has taken care of her, uh, taken to her affectionately, and they both stay in the stables with her horse, Windcatcher. Being an animal lover myself, I really appreciate that this often overlooked trait is highlighted in this novel. Lynch is attracted to the commander of the guard, but intentionally sours their growing affections because she can't have him close to her with her overall mission. I'm enjoying this cloak and dagger setup and the way Lynch is struggling with appearances. It makes her a real character rather than an emotional superhero. You get a real sense of place, making Sanction truly fascinating in the Fifth Age as the Dragon Lords are doing their own thing, mortals have their own problems. It seems obvious to me thus far that the Dark Knights are behind the plague, and I suspect, without any proof, that Lord Bite may be a legionnaire or a knight that is defected or something like that. I like how they present the knights as well. They're multi-dimensional characters who have their duty, but also regular people with flaws. I hope this story stays as good as it did when I wrote this, and it does. Spoiler. Uh, and also, quick spoiler, Lord Bite, it does not explain that he was a knight. That was just my supposition, and it was never fulfilled. With the spreading of the plague, Lord Bite decides to take off on a secret errand and brings Lynn with him. She's just a squire in his service right now, but he trusts her. They enter the temple and go into the tunnels beneath it where the shadow people live. Lord Bite has a relationship with them and they allow him access. They enter Lynn's mind, sort of examining her, and relay that she has a whole lot of secrets in there, but that she's ultimately a good person and she can use the tunnels as well. They travel the underground tunnels and Lynn nearly falls from a cliff into lava, but is saved by Lord Bite. They finally come out of the tunnels and are past mountain ranges when the Lord summons the dragon overlord Sable with a whistle. This is the only part that I found wildly unbelievable. Yes, I know it's a fantasy novel. Yes, I know it's all unbelievable. But this dude can just summon dragon overlords on a whim? Like, I need to know why. And they never explain how he has that kind of pull. Now, he does trade Sable, a rare insect specimen, for some under, uh, I'm sorry, information about the plague, but Sable isn't very forthcoming and only gives clues that leaves, then leaves with the insects. They return to Sanction through the tunnels to find a fire raging in a warehouse and the inner city is sealed off. So, 
I got to sort of harp on this whole Dragon Overlord thing for a second. At no point have we ever been presented with the idea that any Dragon Overlord would respond to any human or other mortal race for any reason at all. They don't even really respond to other dragons other than killing them. So why Sable would give two dams about this governor of sanction, I cannot for the life of me figure out. And because it's never explained, it just gnaws at me. I gotta know. So if any of you have any idea why, please hook a brother up. <laughs> it really bothers me. I need to know. It doesn't even have to be a good reason. I just want a reason. All right, so it looks like the city council closed the inner city uh, gates once the hospital became overrun with the sick. The plague started spreading more, and then the fire happened. It definitely seems like it's all a setup. Lord Bite collapses the ground underneath the burning warehouse, sinking it and extinguishing the fire as the people are revolting. Lynn discovers the person who instigated the revolt at the docks earlier, and he says it was knights who told him to do it. Lynn isn't sure which knights, because we have three different orders here, and is suspicious of the Salamnics as much as anyone else. This is part of what I love about this novel. She is a Rose Knight, and yet she does not trust the clandestine circle because they're asking her to do things that are in stark opposition to the Oath and the Measure. Of course, you have to operate that way if you're going to have an a clandestine circle, right? Like, that's just, you cannot follow the rules of the measure. I mean, the clandestine circle wouldn't exist if you were. So I appreciate, and this is past Lord Gunther's time. This is when Lord Erling is in charge of the Knights, uh, the Grand Master. So I find it interesting that the Knights of Salamnia are radically different than what we know them as, even though when they operate out in the open, they supposedly act within the bounds of the new oath and measure that Lord Gunther had written. However, <clears throat> she trusts them as much as she trusts the Legion of Steel, which is to say not much at all. And this is another part that I really, really appreciate about this novel, because this is how I played this game when it was first released with Saga System, and that in Fifth Age. Uh, Fifth Age. And that is that the Legion of Steel and the Knights of Slamnia do not get along simply because they're not Dark Knights. They don't get along for a myriad of reasons, most of them political, but the Legion of Steel is all about subterfuge and clandestine circles. And they see the Knights of Slamnia as this sort of stuffy organization that, you know, uh, uh, tries to uphold ideals that are really wildly out of date and old fashioned, even with the rewritten measure. The Knights of Salamnia see the Legion of Steel willing to do too many things that compromise one's integrity and honor. Ironically, they're doing the exact same thing through the course of it. The Dark Knights never really are able to get out of this corner that they've been painted in. There's no longer a Tachesis, at least in this time period, that's given them visions. They're no longer operating with their honor they're not really an organization that is anything close to resembling what they started as. And so I just love that all of these organizations do not live up to the, um, the foundation, foundational principles that they were uh, created under. And that's just the reality of anything. I mean, Look at any organization in our world, you know, it slowly becomes corrupted, if not from outside interference, then from inner politics. And that's just 
life. I like that they applied that corruption into this game for no other reason than it feels a little bit more real to me. All right, so that being aside. The man is knocked into the hole with Lynn and Dern, which kills the strange man, and Dern confesses his love for Lynn. Now, Dern is that captain of the guard for Lord Bite that Lynn is sort of affectionate to. She feels, uh, she, she has a funny feeling in her loins when she looks at him, and it's very much a reciprocal thing. He is overtly hitting on her throughout the whole novel. But for her to see him, Lieutenant or Commander Dern, fall into the pit, and then this mysterious guy fall into the pit and magically fall on his own dagger, killing him as he was about to reveal which knighthood told him to then, you know, instigate the riot. Why Lin slash Lynsha Majir would not think that Dern is the bad guy, as everyone does reading this novel, I would hope, is absurd. Like, of course he is. He, he's in the exact right place to murder this dude who was about to out him. Now, I understand this is a, a sort of a cloak and dagger, mystery, thriller type novel, but it's pretty obvious pretty early on who the bad guys are. It's kind of bugged me that she couldn't figure that out. And you could make the argument, and I suppose it would be acceptable that she knew that it was him, but she refused to believe it because of her feelings toward him. But I know an awful lot of guys that follow their, you know, I don't know an awful lot of girls that do. Now that might just be my own ignorance, but it seems like a pretty big thing to look over. Anyway, at this point, I'm pretty sure Dern is a dark knight, and Lynn reports to the clandestine circle about what has happened, as they tell her then, a dark knight has, in fact, infiltrated Bite's inner circle. There's a couple inconsistencies in this that have started to surface at this point. First and foremost is the Salamnic Knight's clandestine circle seems to know everything. They're refusing to share the information with their agent, Lynchia, which makes zero sense since she's the one on the inside. If anyone should know, they should be telling her because she's the one gathering the information. And so I can't imagine a universe where the Knights of Slamnia do not trust a Rose Knight with secret information. That's the upper echelon. That's the governmental body of the Knights of Slamnia. Yes, she's the first female entered into the Rose Knights, but and the first non-Salamnic female. But still, like, why are they being so secretive? They're the Knights of Salamnia. Like, why wouldn't they trust one of their own? That doesn't make any sense. It's almost as if these clandestine circle knights read that novel about Verminard and the Salamnic Knight who slept with his wife, his father's wife, thereby birthing Verminard, cucking, you know, being a cuck. And uh, they're like, hey, we could do that stuff too. <laughs> okay. It's kind of wild and ridiculous. It kind of bugs me. Uh, hey, Chris, how you doing? Thanks for, uh, thanks for that. I appreciate you. Have you ever played a DL game in late Istar? I'm going to answer that in just a second. All right, so they insist that they need to overthrow Byte to install a Slamnic government, but it's also underhanded for Slamnic Knights that it's not sitting well with Lynn or me. She returns to work as Byte 
as Byte's guard, and her relationship with the guard troops continues to develop and her affection for Byte grows. Uh, it's a friendly affection, but they do sort of goof around and stuff in one really fun scene. At a council meeting, the Lord's healer, Micah, uh, this really cool dwarf character, is leaving to the temple in search of a cure. Now, Micah is actually a secret agent as well from the Legion of Steel. It seems like everyone is a secret agent. No one is who they pretend to be, which is kind of fun. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Lynn is assigned to go with him. After stopping looters and checking in on old tenant and friend, they find the scribe's house and collect a whole bunch of books. Lynn has been given a bronze dragon scale by Lord Bite for protection, so she's not really concerned about contracting the plague. They collect the texts, and when Lynn returns to the palace... Oh, and by the way, at this point, I'm convinced... I'm no longer convinced that Lord Bite is a Legion of Steel member or a former knight of any order. I'm now convinced that he is, in fact, a bronze dragon in human form. Which is also wrong. <laughs> so I was... I was way off base with Lord Bite the whole time, but I knew everyone else. All right, so they collect the test. When Lynn returns to the palace, she discovers that Commander DeWalt is dead. Now, it turns out DeWalt was an informant for Lady Knight Anion of the Clandestine Circle. He was one of the people giving the Clandestine Circle all the information. It turns out um, that DeWalt was, uh, I'm sorry, uh, his secret lover, DeWalt's secret lover, Shanron, who was one of the um, assistant guards in Bite's service, who has befriended Lynn, asks Lynn about a code word about like a chipmunk. You know, she's like, do you know what a chipmunk means? And Lynn is like, you know what? I now know that he was an informant for the Summit Knights. I'm going to sort of go on a limb and just tell her who I am. So she admits what that code word means. And Shanron gives her a parcel that was meant to go to the Knights of Salamnia. Lynn then hooks up with Commander Dern, which no one is okay with. Not her talking owl, not Lord Bite, not Shanron, not no one. No one wants them to hook up. No one really knows why. I mean, we know why. It's obvious at this point. What better way to have a, a third act than to have a Knight of Salamnia and a Dark Knight in love have to face off against each other? Yeah, of course that's what's going to happen. But I do really like that they got to hook up. The fact is, is these books are written for kids. And so it's not like it goes into detail. You know, it's not like tawdry or anything. It's just, I like the fact that these are human characters with human emotions. And sex is a massive motivator for human action. It just has always been that way. And it always will be because we're animals. If there's one thing animals like to do, it's, you, know, you know what I mean? They got to knock boots. Uh, so I like seeing it in the book. And it's handled really, really well, too. I mean, I, you know, if, if you're a kid reading this, you know, it's not like you're going to be... First of all, kids nowadays are all watching porn anyway, which I don't think you should as a kid, but you do. And then second of all, like, I had to find... I had, like, my buddy had, a, his, had to steal his dad's penthouse for us to see porn when I was a kid. And nowadays, kids just pick up their phone. First of all, it's wildly unfair. <laughs> We had to hunt. First of all, if your parents didn't have any porn, you know, you couldn't have sneaked it. So, there's, like, how are you going to get it? You have to hope you have an older brother or something. It was very hard to get to when I was a kid. Um, anyway, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I just got in this porn note. Okay, so as a side note, this novel is written with such care and tenderness <laughs> that it makes me talk about porn. Uh, I'm really digging this author. So it turns out that late DeWalt knew about A Dark Knight 
and a secret about the Knights of Tequesis posing as pirates in order to invade the city when the volcano erupts. Now, Sable had already informed Hogan Bite that there were pirates waiting outside of Sanction in the Waters, suggesting that they were the cause of the plague, but it was never confirmed. Now we're finally getting confirmation with this package from the dead um, guard. Lord Bite wants Lynn with him for protection as he suspects foul play and ultimately trusts her. Uh, Micah uses the mysticism to talk to a spirit of the captain and learns that the captain that died of the ship that initially came to the harbor at the very beginning of this, this story. Um, he learns that the Dark Knights started the plague with some old magic somehow. On his way to report it to Lord Bite, he was murdered by someone. I know who. The next night, when Lynn and Dern hook up, Again, she sleeps in and he ends up leaving her, sending two knights in to tie her up. So now we officially know that he is in love with her. He does want to keep knocking boots and he clearly is the bad guy. So he, he cares about her. You know, he doesn't want her to die. So she calls out to her owl, which brings the owl and Shanron to rescue her. The owl's like, hey, I didn't even know you could do that. Summon me just by thinking of me. And she's like... I didn't either, but I'm kind of tired of this bed naked, so maybe you could, you know, help. <laughs> uh, she now believes that Dern is the Dark Knight, but isn't fully prepared to admit it to herself. Yeah, now she has overwhelming evidence that he is the Dark Knight, and she still refuses to believe it because she slept with him twice. Now, I don't want to assume anything about any of you, and maybe it's just because um, I'm terrible. <laughs> but I've never been with a woman and had her willfully ignore overt flaws in my character. Again, that might just speak to my inability to really please them <laughs> or something. <laughs> I mean, I've been married for, you know, over 25 years. So clearly someone tolerates me. But I just feel like if I was ever a dark knight and I slept with someone, they'd be like, you know... We had sex, but it wasn't really good enough for me to overlook that. <laughs> you know? Like, how good is the sex with Dern for her to be like, yeah, he's a dark knight, but I had two orgasms. Like, what? I mean, a girl's got to overlook something, right? <laughs> I just, there's, everyone has flaws. I don't know. I don't feel like anyone would have looked over that with me, is all I'm saying. All right. So as Shannon flees to the volcano to warn Lord Bite who is there ready to shift the flow of the lava once the volcano erupts, uh, Lynn warns the city guard of the impending Dark Knight attack. She then races to the volcano to see Dern with Shan uh, Shanron, who cuts her throat and then attacks Lynn. He truly does in fact love her, and she truly loves him. But they're both loyal to the, their own orders, and they must try to stop one another. Now, he is stunned to learn her true identity. She straight up comes out as Lynch Majeur, Rose Knight of Salamni, puts her sword down. And he's just like, holy shit, you're in the Majeur clan? Because the Majeurs at this point are like hero upon hero upon hero. I mean, to, ha to just accidentally start sleeping with a hero of the Lance granddaughter, the hero of the Chaos Wars daughter, a Knight of Salamnia, and a Majeur? Like, you can't get more opposite to your goals than that as a Dark Knight. It's just amazing, and I love how they play it up. 
So Varia the Owl ends up attacking this dude, and it was just the greatest scene ever. He's talking smack. She's, you know, standing up and saying, I'm going to stop you. You're not going to be able to do this. Please don't do this. And this owl just out of nowhere just, yeah, that's not an owl. I don't know what owls say. Whoo. Whoo. And like claws at his face, rips one of his eyes. It describes as like his eyelids all like ripped and open. I'm imagining he's seeing through the hole in his eyelid as it's swelling up. Really gruesome and cool. Um, and then they fight. And, and this is where it gets even more unbelievable than him, uh, Lord Bite, being able to summon a dragon overlord. It says literally that the Dark Knight and the Knight of Slamnia fight for an hour, an hour at this hill going up to a volcano. If you have ever been in a fight in your life, after about 32 seconds, you're exhausted. Look at professional fighters. What do you got? Five minutes? Boxers go rounds and they have to take breaks between them. They're exhausted. For an hour you're fighting? I think maybe this author doesn't really understand what fighting is like. Because it's exhausting. Adrenaline pumping through your body is exhausting. As soon as it stops, you just want to fall down to a puddle of nothingness. So to have adrenaline pumping for one full hour would be like having a cardiac arrest. There's no possible human way that you could do it. No one could do it. All right. So it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, just say it was five, ten minutes. But to overtly say an hour. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> get out of here. Dang it. I just spilled my drink, too. Okay. So, where did I leave off? Um, both are nearly falling down from exhaustion when the owl attacks again. So not only does the owl take one eye, it goes for the other eye too. Lyncha then lunges and buries her dagger into his back and uh, she ends up getting knocked out. The sort of blackness. I don't know if it was from Dern or if he cast a spell or, or what it was exactly, but she ends up getting knocked out. And then a bronze dragon flies past the volcano and kills Dern. This is the part that really made me think, okay, so Hogan bites the bronze dragon, right? If, if Hogan bite had a bronze dragon up on that volcano watching his back, why did he need Lyncha there? Like, he said he needed Lyncha there because he needed someone he could trust. But a dragon just saved them both. So, that's a pretty big plot hole if it's not Hogan himself, right? And it's not. Spoiler alert. But then the dragon goes and flies into the harbor and destroys all of the Dark Knight ships, which are then moving into the harbor to then retake sanction. So there's no real need for the city guard to defend the harbor. There's no real need to have any personal guard protecting Hogan Bite. You have a dragon. It, it just, it doesn't make sense. All right, that aside, there's a treaty with Sable and the other metallic and chromatic dragons so that they can only fight if they enter Sanction. Once this bronze dragon goes outside of Sanction and starts hunting, well, then it would probably end up being killed by the dragon overlords. So it just sort of hangs out here. Okay. Suspension of disbelief. Okay. I, I'll, I'll buy it for a dollar. So the dragon returns to Lynch and protects her until Lord Bite can then take her to the palace. She wakes and is being attended to as the owl is healing. All while Lynchian knows she will be banned from the Order as soon as, uh, as she went against their direct orders to stand down and let the Dark Knights kill Bite. 
She heals up and the bronze dragon takes her to Sancris to argue her case about staying within the Knights of Slamnia. And Sanction is once again safe. So the whole time the Knights of Slamnia are saying, we know that you are his guard. We put you there. We know your job is to protect him. Again, we put you there, but we want him dead. So don't do anything when the Dark Knights go to kill him. But she's a friend of him at this point. She's grown to be a friend. And that seems wildly anathema to Knights of Slamnia's code measure. Like, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't add up at all that they would want to murder this innocent guy like this so that the Slamnia Knights could come in and take control of Sanction. It's, none of it rubs me the right way. And so when she went overtly against their orders to go save him, now the clandestine circle is saying, well, we need to disband her from the knighthood, like straight up. And so she has to go fight for her position in order to stay a slam at night. So I can't, ultimately though, you know, even with the flaws that I've mentioned, even with all my complaints, I cannot recommend this novel highly enough. It is filled with love and passion, action and adventure, mystery and intrigue. It was such a joy to read and proof that Dragonlance novels can be multidimensional and great. So, and I gotta say, this was recommended to me, and I can't remember for the life of me who recommended it. I could have looked it up, but I'm lazy. So, whoever it was that told me I should read this as a prelude to the Lynch and Majeer trilogy, thank you so much. I had such a great time reading this novel. It was phenomenal. Um... Where did I leave off? Oh, here it is. Um, let's see. Uh, if you're a fan of Dragonlance or the Majeer family, hell, even mystery novels, you will love this novel. I have to say, I didn't. I did know that Dern was a Dark Knight before they started sleeping together. But even though I knew it, it's still worth the read. Like you will, you're led to believe these things before you get there. I was always wrong about Hogan Bite, and that I had fun with. You know, I keep second guessing. And there's this little. Uh, orange cat that kept showing up and sort of caring about Lyncha. It was clearly the bronze dragon. But at this, you know, throughout the whole novel, I couldn't figure out who the hell is this cat? Is it Hogan Bite? Is he turning into a cat? Like, who the hell is this guy? And what is his deal? And I still got to know who the hell this guy is. It's driving me insane. All right. So, Andrew, thank you so much for tuning in live. I really appreciate you. David, what is up? Uh, I definitely spoiled it all for you. So. <laughs> You should get around to reading this. It's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't cover that's in the books for all the books that I read. I just give you the main story beats. I mean, there's a lot of like inner monologue and, you know, sort of character growth and development and like just situational stuff that, that does in fact happen that is worthwhile to investigate, but I don't cover because I don't want to be here for three hours talking about the book. So if you have an opportunity, you should check it out. Just good enough. What's up, man? In the process of rendering a video about this book and the Lynchia trilogy. What a coincidence. Uh, I definitely don't have cameras at your house because I didn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. No, it is quite the coincidence. Um, I'm looking forward to that because I really enjoyed this. Uh, telling the Lynch and Crucible's story. What's Crucible's story? I don't know what that is. Is that the Lynchia trilogy? Oh, there's more. I can't wait to dive into this trilogy. I'm telling you, man. Uh, thanks again, Chris. I really appreciate that. So, Minister Mundane, never let it make your decisions. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sometimes it leads to fun. Sometimes you get in trouble. Sometimes it works out. <laughs> so let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater is all I'm saying. 
Uh, you can trust a lady with secrets. You can't trust a lady with secrets. Yeah, that's true. We worked hard for porn back then when dial-up modems and black plastic <laughs> magazines. <laughs> we really did, man. We really, really did. Um, I actually started getting... Uh, I subscribed as soon as I moved out of my parents' house. I subscribed to Playboy. And I convinced myself it was for the articles. <laughs> but let's be honest. Uh, it wasn't for the articles. Um, I remember being a kid, my, my friend, he had like the earliest version of a modem, uh, with his old IBM DOS computer. And he downloaded this, um, I don't know what you would call it. It's just like text that makes an image. And it was just this scene, this sex scene. We stared at that dot matrix printer printout because it was the only version of porn that we could get. And I was just amazed. I was so unfamiliar with it that when I actually finally saw Penthouse and I saw stuff that I shouldn't have seen at that age, well, I should have seen at that age, um, I was like, what the hell is that? And my friend was like, that's a vagina. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, it was so foreign to me as a young kid. I refused to believe what it actually was because I was like, that looks weird. What? I've never seen it look like that before. <laughs> Very, very funny. Anyway, uh, it's one of your favorite dragons, Crucible. Okay, I didn't know that was a dragon. Um, let's see. Yeah, wonderful stuff. Lots of good world and character building. 100%. I love Sanction at this point. I always enjoyed it in the War of the Lands era. It was just a goofy, fun time. Um, but this is a next level type stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, they really dive into Sanction in a really cool way. Talking about how it develops out into this whole different place. Of course, who knows what it is right now, but ultimately, I did really enjoy it. If you didn't read the Lynch Trilogy, you highly recommend Yeah, it's next. It's it's what I'm reading next. I'm going to review on next. Uh, it's one of the best Dragonlance trilogies in your opinion. Ooh, highly recommend it. Okay. Now, it, is it too high on the list, though? Is Am I going to be disappointed? Because you guys are pumping it up so much. I guess we'll find out. All right. That's all I had. I talked way more about porn than I anticipated <laughs> talking about. You learned a lot more about me than probably you wanted to. That is it for my review of The Clandestine Circle by Mary H. Herbert. Did you enjoy the setting of Sanction? Do you wish they would have explained more about Hogan Bite like me? You can always email me at info at dlsaga.com or leave a comment below. I would like to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, click that bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click the like button. It all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. And this channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance Saga and porn, apparently. Thank you for joining the celebration. My name is Adam with Dragonlance Saga once again, and until next time, Slanjava. <laughs> I will avoid your next video just good enough, but everyone else should go check out your channel and watch it.